Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matthew Sage Burning Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? Bring back the Matthew there. I'm a Got, gotta change it up, you know. I can't bring the heater all the time. Gotta <laughs> throw in the change up. I like, I like that. Um doing swell. Doing swell. Uh just just finished watching game three, you know. And yeah. uh Milwaukee finally getting on the board there. Appreciate that. Um, you know, we thought about recording after game two when Phoenix was up 2-0, but right, the needed to get a little more uh life from both sides of the competition. Yeah, it, it, we're not getting out the brooms. Thank God. I don't think I could do a sweep of the NBA finals. Like the NBA finals have to last a little bit longer. Uh, thankfully, it's not every other night yet. Like we kind of got a couple nights in between. Um, but yeah, I can't, we can't be doing this quick NBA finals series here. I yeah. need more basketball in my life. We've got at least Suns and Five. Yeah. Sons and five. That was the prediction. Hey, when Bobby Bobby Marks came out with Sons and Five, I started feeling a little bit more confident in my pick. And then after tonight, my confidence is all but tanked. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about that later, though. We'll talk about that later. Um, before we get too far into episode 115, Matt, can you believe this is 115 or 15th episode? It's insane. It's one of my favorite podcasts, though. The one the immediate uh, reactions to the NBA finals. It's, it's fun. We did quite a few that we've done quite a few of these, uh, last couple of years. Um, but before we get too much further, let me remind you to follow us on social media, on Twitter and on Instagram, you can search couch GM podcasts and you'll find us there. If you haven't already also give us a rating or a view and we would greatly appreciate that. In episode 114, if you missed it, we talked about a finals preview You can go check that out and get our thoughts before the series started and our series predictions we also did uh, a couple one two three cancuns for the uh conference finals teams the clippers and the hawks who are no longer in the playoffs so go check that episode out for news we got nothing we're just talking actual basketball no one two three cancuns this week so let's get right into it matt let's talk game three NBA Finals, what are your thoughts? What were your first immediate reactions after game three? I don't feel like Milwaukee really fixed anything. <laughs> <laughs> they hit some shots. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that's the, So, real quick, game one and two. Mm. Really felt like Phoenix just is – it, is it bad to say, like, came out with a plan? Um like they kind of imposed their will. Like they just played like Phoenix basketball and yeah. it seemed to work. And Milwaukee seems over, I mean, and understandably overly dependent on, we just need the honest to go berserk. And then hopefully everyone else can just play like at least average. And that'll be enough. And I mean, in game two, Giannis went berserk, but everyone else played like trash mm-hmm. game three. I mean, Middleton had his first half run. Drew hit some shots for sure. He had good Bobby Portis minutes. And again, most importantly, Giannis went just absolutely bonkers. So he's like, what, put up like 83 points now on 45 shots? Oh my God. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, but like, I don't feel like they really did anything significantly different from last, like the start of the series 
to now. Yeah, I think the biggest adjustment has just been putting Drew Holiday on Chris Paul, right? Like that's that was a great game two adjustment. Unfortunately, Drew's offense was so bad in game two, it kind of negated it. But yeah, like that's a great adjustment. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It took that till game two to make that adjustment. You'd think it would be have your best perimeter defender guard the lead guy on the other team's offense from the perimeter. Crazy. <laughs> And like to press the ball like all the way up the floor like that that was another game two adjustment uh, that seemed that seemed to make a big difference um, for the Bucks at least defensively. Man, I I just walk away from game three like my immediate reaction is like, yeah, that was an awesome road player game for Milwaukee. Probably won't see one of those again. Like I think we counted up, there was like thirty points between outside of the big three that were 30. scored. 37 in like real game minutes, not counting the Jordan Nora three. Yeah. Yeah. So like, are you ever going to get that again from the, the others on the bucks? And I think that's the question that, that kind of will linger after this game, at least in my mind until we see them in game four again, which I don't know, maybe you get more better Middleton game and we could talk about that here in a minute, but I just, I don't know. I just don't feel, it's not like like you said. I don't know if the Bucks changed anything. I think they just hit some more shots, and I just don't feel overly confident about the Bucks right now. No, I I don't either. And and so like you're saying, it's so like threw his name out, like Bobby Portis, big energy guy, right? Killed mm-hmm. Phoenix um, collectively on the offensive glass. Bobby Portis, obviously, like that's one of the things he does well. Um, whether you're playing him with Brooke or if he's just the lone big man out there or if he's playing with Giannis, like it really d- is conducive to killing them on the glass. And especially with Aiton like tonight in foul trouble um, and then not really having a backup five besides Frank Tank. So like, <laughs> I, like we got a pretty good Brooke game, like at least a decent Brooke game. Yeah. We got a good Bobby Portis game. Content hit a couple. Like he's always going to hit a couple. It's just does it take him three shots or does it take him seven shots? Right. Or like, it's okay. Pretty decent Connaughton game. PJ Tucker, like did a stuff on offense for the first time this series. Like you're right. I don't know how reliable it is in theory. I think you should be able to get 37 points or so out of those four guys every game because they're NBA players, but Milwaukee's offense just kind of, I, I still honestly don't feel like it has great flow and like in the half court and like feel and tempo. I, I guess a slight adjustment in game three, and we saw it more so in the first half, was like Chris Middleton just kind of getting a little more like early touch and pick and roll and going to work. Every now and again, he's going to take a shot with like 14 seconds left on the shot clock. <laughs> and, oh, this is a fadeaway like two pointer. Like, what are we mm-hmm. doing here? But I guess, you know, give him the ball, let him do stuff. And for the most part, it worked out early. And that was something in game two. Every now and again, you'd see Drew Holiday, like, refuse the inbounds pass, like, after a Phoenix bucket and, like, point at Chris. So it's not like they don't – they didn't want to do this in game two. It's not like it's brand new. It's just it didn't – neither of them were making any shots in game two. So not to oversimplify it, but truly, like, the Bucks' offense is really good when Chris Middleton's good. And it's not so good when Giannis is going one on five. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing they, 
I mean, Aiton, like you mentioned, was in foul trouble early. So, like, that definitely hurt them rebounding the ball. It, I mean, it's such a huge difference when you see Phoenix out there with Aiton because he can rebound. He's such a good rebounder um, that how big of a difference that makes. They went to the 2-3 zone there in the third quarter, which enabled them to go on a little bit of a run, Phoenix. Um, I wonder if we see any more of that sort of a look with Aiton on the floor. Um, because I feel like that can really st- <clears throat> just put Milwaukee's offense in the mud. Like uh, Giannis just wasn't getting any touches in that two, three zone. It was really strange. Well, I mean, the, you always hear the defensive strategy for Giannis build a wall, right? Yeah. Well, a two, three zone, really any zone, but especially a two, three zone, the literal point of it is pack the paint and clog it up. Yep. So effectively, you can build a five-man wall if you want, <laughs> or like a layered two-man and then three-man wall, thus a two-three zone. You know, like you can yeah. do that, and that's the point. You do that though against a team that's not hitting shots or can't hit shots. And so I get it, makes sense. If Bud is smart and they have any way of countering it, you put Bryn Forbes and Pat Connaughton and Chris Middleton out there with Giannis, um, and then whoever the fifth guy is you you want out there. And you say, I dare you to have four guys step into the paint. Because mm-hmm. Giannis is willing to pass. Yep. And we saw that, like, whether it's in transition or whatever. Like, he's willing to pass. It's, like, not the problem here. Um, he's starting to see the passes more. So it's not just, like, getting doubled and then passing, like, out of it. He's, like, seeing it before the double comes a little bit more now. So, like, he could find those guys. But, like, I, it's one of those, like, do you guys practice this? I'm sure you do to a degree, but, like, I, you know, right. You really make them pay for it. Yeah. I don't with uh, I like zones are like long-term sustainable though. And then NBA, like, yeah, yeah, I think that's good, the thing. Like, it's here four minutes there, but like not a quarter. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it's just gotta be in spurts when maybe Milwaukee's starting to go on a run. You can kind of feel the crowd get into it and you can go into that zone to kind of just stymie some things for a few minutes and then yeah yeah, break break it back out to man on man um yeah i think i mean all things considered like the bucks kind of needed this game if they lost this game like the series was practically over i don't think there's no one who's come back from a 3-0 deficit um so it was kind of a must win for milwaukee and they brought the energy they brought i thought they played flat in the first quarter but able to get the crowd back into it in the second quarter and go on that run um, and never really looked back. Giannis was fantastic tonight. Like, I don't, we haven't really touched on this, but Giannis was just incredible. You mentioned it early on, back-to-back 40-point games. I don't, I mean, can we just stop with the Giannis slander at this point? Like, can we, full stop, do we ever have to bring up Giannis as like, did he deserve those back-to-back MVPs? Do we have to have that conversation ever again on first take? Probably not. But um, so it's uh, to get into the MVP part because honestly, I don't really care. Yeah. But the so like the faults like in his actual game, like the shooting, and it's really just the shooting, right? Um, I. It's not that those aren't the valid concerns because they are like the free right. throw from the three point shooting. Although he did knock down a decent amount of free throws, he got on a little run there. 
I mean, he does that every now and again. He gets like, makes a couple and then like six in a row. Um, but overall, general jump shot, three point free throw shooting, like, I get it still a concern. But I think it's gotten to the point now, like, that doesn't have to be brought up every time we talk about Giannis. Yeah. Like, we definitely have to be to that point. Like, we don't do that with, you know, other guys, like, necessarily that are at that level. Because Giannis is at, you know, all caps, that level of yep. player. So, like, we don't need to bring up what he doesn't do well every time we talk about what he does do well. You know, in the offseason, can we say, hey, let's develop an elbow jumper more consistently. He's got that little turnaround short baseline now, kind of. It's like, okay, that's cool. Can we develop that a little more? Like, there are things, like, yes, you should still be developing because every player should like to still be getting better. But, like, we as basketball commentators yes we do not need to bring it up every time we talk about Giannis now he's, there's no point like let's talk about how like he just is putting everybody in the basket right now and there's nobody who can stay in front of him that's been some of the like one of the most incredible developments of this playoff playoffs is Giannis just realizing there's like maybe one dude in the league who's as strong as me and I can just put everyone in the basket and I'm just going to try to dunk on everyone. Like, that's been his usual mindset, but I feel like he's added just enough post moves, and his footwork has gotten a lot better to the point where, like, if he's one-on-one in the post, like, it feels like it's going to be a basket more times than not. Like, he kind of feels like a modern big man in some, like, in a way, right? Like, he's not... Yeah, it's, like, effectively how we used to see, like, a big, like, they would catch, like, eight feet basket. And I'm talking like the bigs how then catch, turn, face. And then most of the time they'd put, put it back with their back to the basket and do a move or whatever. Giannis, more modern day, is like one dribble and like he sees real quick, like, am I just going to barrel through you? Am I going to euro? Am I going to do like a little half spin, bring back? He kind of has like different moves down mm. in different finishes. And so that's something we talk about with bigs all the time. I know you and I is like bigs aren't dead. It's just unskilled bigs are dead. Right. And so Giannis, if we're effectively just calling him a big now, which yeah. there's this semi-separate discussion we had about that. He's got legit moves then to be a big Patrick Ewing, Akeem Olajuwon type moves where he's just like, I can go through you because I'm bigger and stronger or I can go around you. I can go over you. I can do different things. And that's the impressive part is he's working in an eight foot space because he can't step back further than that, like consistently. So he's, he's really limiting his own space to work, but he's gotten so good in that space now. Like, and you can see the different finishes and do it consistently. Yeah, that I think like, I don't know if you can call this a signature move, but the under the baseline and then reach back up to either dunk <laughs> or lay it in. Like that move is just ridiculous. And I don't know if there's, I haven't seen it stopped. It feels like, it feels like when he goes to that, it's a bucket or a putback or something else, you know, mm-hmm. something positive for the Bucks. Um, yeah, he was just absolutely incredible tonight. And that can't, I mean, if we're talking finals MVP looking ahead, like he's planted his, if the Bucks win, that's it. That's, that's the guy, right? Like there's well, the Bucks win. It means he's going for like what? Like minimum thirty, like he has to go for at least thirty. Yeah, for them to win a game. Like there's, I almost see like no scenario at this point where if he doesn't hit that, they they can win the game. 
And therefore, if they do end up winning the series, that means he's going to average like 35 plus points per game. <laughs> just insane. Like just insane. Like great performance from him. Just fun, fun all around. And we touched on the Bucks role players some. Um, like you said, Bobby Portis gave good minutes. We, I don't know. We kind of talked about Chris Middleton a little bit. I just feel like he still hasn't shown up to the series. And we talked about this in episode 114. This is the best probably perimeter defenders you'll see in this playoffs. Yeah. Is that contributing to this like kind of slow start to the series? Because usually game three or game four is the Chris Middleton. All right, he's arrived in the series game. At least what we've seen in the last couple couple yeah. of series. So I mean, Mikhail Bridges, like for example, not really involved in the offense tonight. Very yeah. weird. Got like no shots. But again, still he's going to bring it defensively. And Mikhail, like very, very talented as a defender against Chris Middleton type guys. You know when he's guarding Giannis, um, more build of player. He's got to be a little more crafty with his defense. Like, but when it's Middleton, you know, the six six wing, he can kind of just be more straight up and down and he can do different things with like I can, you know, take a shot to the chest and still stay upright and stay in front, or I can slide my feet, or I can poke the ball away like from behind. Whereas like he doesn't have all of those options when he's guarding the honest type guys because he physically handle it as much. Because he's just not that like big of a dude in terms of like girth you know but chris mm-hmm. milton's like a great player for him to guard because mm-hmm. you're not really worried about him being like a super speedy guy you know yeah nor is he gonna like physically overpower you you just kind of have to stay in front like generally and then get a hand up yeah you know it's not right. Chris's greatest handle either so mikhail i'm sure is not gonna let him just you know walk into his shots or you know, it's like if you're going to get into it, you're going to have to do it a little different than you're used to. I mean, Middleton went for 18 on 14 shots. Like, that's pretty good efficiency, like you mentioned. So it's like, do I knock them that much? And they won the game by 20. Not really, but it's with the understanding of, like, 14 shots for Chris Middleton on, like, decent efficiency and not hitting 20 points is probably not going to work ever again. Like, you can't assume that that will result in a game four win. If he plays the exact same he did tonight, I don't think the Bucs win because everything else had to go right for the Bucs. This kind of transitioned us into the Suns talk of, like, I mean, the Bucs were hitting tons of threes. They were, like, overly out-rebounding the Suns. Like we mentioned, Mikhail had a bad game offensively. Um, Devin Booker, which we haven't brought up yet, had, like, his worst game yeah. straight up. Like, Aiden got in all the foul trouble. The role players, like Jay Crowder hit a bunch of threes. Um, thank goodness. Otherwise, like, there was... <laughs> this, the, the Suns wouldn't have hit 100 tonight without Jay Crowder's six threes. So it's like everything else had to go right for the Bucks and go wrong for the Suns for the Bucks to win by 20. So mm. it's like, if of all those laundry list of things, if half of them happen again, and half of them go back to normal, whether that's the Suns, el- you know, slightly elevating back to normal, the Bucks slightly regressing back to normal. If Chris Middleton does what he did tonight again, I don't think the Bucks win. 
yeah, that, I think that brings me to the Chris Middleton point I brought up is just like we talked about in our preview of like it feels like Chris Middleton has to score like 25 to 30 points on good efficiency for the Bucks to really win the series. And I just don't know if we're getting that type of performance from Chris Middleton in this series just because of the defenders the Suns can kind of throw at him. Um, this isn't – it's not a knock on Chris Milton, but it just feels like he has this tendency to just kind of fade back. Like he had, you mentioned he had 18 points in the game. He had 15 and a half. Yeah. Unlike uh, you said like 14 shots, he had like what, like 10 shots or something at half. And then like he shoots the ball four more times and puts up three points. And a half like the Suns go to his own, like that should screen for Chris Middleton to just abuse him from the outside, right? Exactly. And like, I don't know, I guess that game was kind of weird and kind of got out of hand. But at one point, the Suns got it to four, and it wasn't like they were getting great performances from Devin Booker or any of their other guys. It was like a Cam Johnson poster dunk, which might have been the highlight of the night. And it was a block. It was a block, not a charge. You're not about that life. <laughs> and 100% was not a charge. I saw a tweet. I think it was from Shea Sharano, who was like, uh, Bud, Bud should got a double tech for challenging that <laughs> charge. It was great. Uh, yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm with you here in that Chris Middleton has to step up at some point. Like Drew Hall, we got a good Drew Holiday game tonight. Um, he's been really good defensively in this series and you can definitely see why the bucks went and spent all those picks on drew holiday but chris if he doesn't have some sort of breakout performance where he scores like 18 points in a quarter it doesn't feel like this type of performance is just super sustainable for the bucks yeah and we, we, we mentioned at the end of like the bucks hawks series like who who has uh Chris gone against that it's like a he had to really work to yeah. get his points. You know, they, they came through um Brooklyn, who obviously like that was their big flaw all year aside from injuries, was what was the defense gonna be? And then they get Atlanta, who's all offense and like a generally decent scheme on defense because it's Nate McMillan, but like there's no lockdown defender out there on Chris Middleton by any means. It's like Bogdanovich giving the best hand up he can. That's it. Mm. It's like now you're playing the first like real, you know, opponent that's got an actually, you know, talented perimeter defender in Bridges or Crowder. And then also a good scheme to go along with it, like as a team. So we knew that was going to be a struggle for him. Like in some way, it was just a, is he going to hit ridiculous shots though? And it doesn't matter. And so far the answer is like, relatively no so yeah. i i won like the the stupid like chris Middleton's batman and Giannis's robin like, yeah get that like, get that all nonsense all the way out of here you know and like i do get the idea that like okay but if you're down two in the fourth or down three i guess really in the fourth and like you need a big bucket and to tie it up like i guess yeah you do have to go to chris and not Giannis, but like that's almost so situational that it can't apply that Chris is really this team's number one offense and Giannis is the number two because if Giannis is on offensively there's no need to get the the late three 
he just has to get enough from everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like he just, you just need enough to get by. And I don't know, Pat Connaughton's two threes, like you said, it just feels like those were kind of backbreakers at one point. And I don't know if we'll ever say that again in this series. Like Pat Connaughton hitting big threes is, is kind well, of just like to end the third. Yeah. Um, and I didn't even know who hit it. I was like, yeah. who in the world hit that? He like sprinted back to the, and I realized it was Pat Carnes like, on the right out of the screen. Um, but yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, that big 16 all run in the end of the uh, third quarter, that, that one felt tough for Phoenix. That's like, at some point, they just need Chris or Devin to like just get, get a bucket and yeah. like, get a bucket. Yeah. And they just couldn't. Um, so that was, that was tough on them. Yeah, we can kind of talk about Devin Booker now since we're a little bit bearing lead. He gets benched for the fourth quarter. Like, that's kind of a big deal. Got taken out with like 48 seconds left in the third or something like that. And never re-entered. Never came back in. Um, don't hate it, though. Yeah, I, we you were kind of talking about this off air. I kind of want to, like, what, if you're a coach of the Suns, what is your thought process there? If you're Monty Williams, what's your thought process? Yeah, I pretty much would have done the same thing of like just throw Chris and other guys out there get one last push I mean I probably would have started the fourth with like Chris and then also like I wouldn't even care about the foul trouble with DeAndre Ayton like it didn't mm-hmm. matter you were down by 20 like if you're getting in the game it's with him like getting back yeah. in the game he had to be in so like Chris Ayton I mean Crowder just because he's hitting you he, we mentioned Cam Johnson brought some good minutes and then I would have been fine just going campaign. You weren't stopping anyone at that point anyway. Uh, I mean, by anyone, I mean Giannis. <laughs> yeah. So, like, screw it. So, I would just put, like, all the offense in to start the fourth like that mm. and just said, we're going at them. Like, either it's, you know, Chris Paul cr- campaign pick and roll or drive and then kick out to threes or lob to Aiden or we're going to lose by – 20 anyway so let's just go at them with the best offense we can throw out there that doesn't include Devin Booker if we get it down to 15 I think Monty would have put him back in that's what I would have done too but if it didn't work then you probably weren't coming back anyway because the Bucks were just that on tonight so I think Monty handled it fine I'm kind of like I mentioned kind of cool with Booker not playing the fourth because for all the just lineup reasons I mentioned but plus didn't log excessive minutes that like honestly like we said wouldn't have mattered yeah so, kind of the unnecessary yeah wear and tear. he only played 29 minutes tonight so off of two days rest like you only played 29 minutes and then you got another night of rest and then kind of come back and hopefully get game four like if the suns get game four that series it's not looking great for the Bucks, And if you feel like you can get Devin Booker some of that rest and get his legs back under him, I just thought he settled most of the night in this game. Like anytime he got the ball, it felt like he was taking a three-point shot. And that's not necessarily his game. He gets going when he gets the rim, kind of gets in that mid-range um, area. And it just felt like he was pressing quite a bit, trying to get the three to fall. Um, and he went like one for seven really quick in that first quarter. Um yeah. It just kind of a rough outing for him, I guess. Yeah, three for 14 overall. One for seven from three. Wasn't getting to the line. Only took five free throw attempts the whole game. 
I mean, well, through three quarters, I guess, his whole game. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and that's part of it is we've, I think most people have always thought of Booker as just a shooter. Yeah. And if you watch Devin Booker enough, you realize that's really not his thing. Like, it's not that he can't shoot. He obviously is a very talented shooter. Like, he really wants to go to the rim or get into the mid-range. That's what he wants. So, like, for him, 50% of his shots being from three is way too high for, like, yeah. how he actually likes to play. He likes to keep that closer to, like, 25 30% of his shots are from three. So, yeah, like, in the grand scheme of things, like, Devin Booker taking 14 shots, like, isn't a ton. We know, like, he's usually a 20-plus shot per game guy. So, again, numbers different. Game was going different than it normally does for Phoenix. Maybe that's just what you chalk it up as. Plus, young dude has never been here before. Like, yeah. first road finals game. Just, you know, it's kind of like, oh, nope, you can't do that here. It doesn't work to Jack. And, <laughs> you know, this, we're not playing the Kings on a random Tuesday night in, you know, February anymore. Like, that's not what's happening. So, you can't do that. And, I, I don't think Devin Booker is going to have another game like this. Like at least not in game four. Yeah. This definitely feels like his first, like normally we see one of these performances in our first playoff run for a player early on. And he just never really had that um, no. or in any of the early series. And he's kind of having now, I, I I'm just, I would be so intrigued to see how he bounced back in game four. Cause it kind of feels like it's one of those things where, Monty will just un- unleash him in game four. And, you know, they would have those conversations where it's like, all right, Devin, get back to your mid-range game, get to, get to the line, get to, get to the hole, um, you know, and some of that stuff is going to be corrected. And then the rest of the Suns offense kind of gets flowing again because Devin Booker's doing what Devin DeBooker does best. Yeah. And, you know, Chris Paul, like, has been incredible. And, like, game one and two – very very good but i as great as he is the sun's team needs devin mm. booker yeah to, to at least get them rolling and like kind of feeling themselves like like kind of get that vibe going on that team like because he he's that guy for them like chris is kind of the finisher the like general game director you know the start but it's all about like is Devin Booker feeling it? Because mm. if he's like, oh, I'm I'm in it today, you know, and he's talking, you know, to the to the Bucks and he's, talking to the bench. Yeah, if he's doing all that, then I feel like the team really elevates and like gets yeah. with it too. But if he's it's just kind of like in a funk, then and you know, it happens, like it does. Mm. And for it to happen in game three when the Bucks were as desperate as they could possibly be, I don't think it's that bad of a thing. If anything, and this, again, this is very after the fact. I know. I don't care. If he would have had a great game three, Milwaukee still might have won because they desperately needed this game. But then if Devin would have had this performance in game four, that would have been really bad because I don't know if the Suns could could like withstand mm. a Milwaukee game three just win because of sheer desperation. And then a bad game for Devin Booker, like Milwaukee might've won that one also. So it's almost like a good thing. It happened on the same night of Milwaukee's desperation. But I don't yeah, think it's going to happen again. Yeah. It, it's kind of ominous as Bucks fan. Like 
game three was a must win, but game four is just as much of a must win now, even more so like your backs not against the wall, but it feels like it's pretty darn close still. It only feels like you took a step forward away from the wall. <laughs> like you're still super close to the wall. Uh, I don't know. Like I, I just don't feel, I feel so uneasy about this Bucks team. So like, I don't walk away with like good thoughts about this, yeah. this team still. Well, we, we said they were not the best team in the East. Like, no, 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 no. Yeah. They happen to be representing the East in the finals. Again, injuries, you play who you play, whatever. I get it. It's fine. But like they weren't the best team in the East this year. They, they might not have even been the second best team in the East this year. Mm. Depends on how you want to have the Philly discussion. But I don't care. Besides the point. <laughs> they weren't the best team in the East. You could argue Phoenix was legitimately the best team in the West from start to finish. Mm. You know, basically from like game 20 on, it was them in Utah jockeying for that, you know, top seed. And we knew Phoenix like was a good, it was just like, could all the young dudes do it in the playoffs? Again, kind of a little bit also of a, you play who you play mm. or not, whatever, but they beat them. So I, at least you had more faith in Phoenix from, midway through the regular season on than you ever did with the Bucks, you know, and we've seen the Bucks collapse in the playoffs before. So that's also not a good feeling. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. We've kind of seen Milwaukee on a somewhat similar stage in the conference finals and, you know, being up 2-0 and then losing four straight to the Raptors. Right. I, I don't know. I Maybe it speaks more to how sun, the Suns play and, Chris Paul and how well he's been how well he's been playing since returning from COVID is that like it just feels like when you need a bucket the Suns team can get it and I, I'm not sure the Bucks can as easily. So one little thing before we wrap this up. So I and we've talked about how the Bucks like don't have great feel flow like it's. Mm. It kind of feels like Giannis or nothing, and then we'll get the you know big Middleton three and whatever. We 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 touched on Drew is very good on both ends, right? The harassing Chris Paul has really been an issue for the Suns. If for nothing else, they're just getting their offense not as fast, you know. Okay, so I as much as Giannis is obviously like the guy on the Bucks offense when it comes to like getting other people involved, like Drew is still kind of that guy. Um, Cause Middleton's not a distributor. He's just not, mm-hmm. he'll make the right pass, you know, when it calls for it, but like, he's not a distributor. That's fine. He doesn't have to be. We saw it like in the Hawks series when Drew was really feeling it and like putting 11 or 13 assists up in a game. Like it's like everyone was really getting into it for the bucks. So tonight, Drew has nine assists, 21 points on only 14 shots. So one, the shots he was taking were much better. They actually fell tonight, whereas game two, they were like hitting the side of the backboard, whatever. (laughs) From the perspective of like Middleton's going to take tough, ridiculous contested shots, no matter what, to be honest. And like, they're either going in or they're not. I credit Mikhail Bridges for like making it hard, but like Middleton's taking the same shots, whether Bridges is guarding him or Chris Paul is guarding him. You know, I don't, I don't know if it really matters. Like Mikhail makes it harder for him to get to his shots, 
but he's still taking the same shots no matter what. So with that, do you think about putting like Mikhail on Drew Holiday just as a, mm. we're not going to let you get other guys the ball. Like we're just going to like harass you and just like make it to where the only pass opportunity you have is like, you can get it to like just Middleton or Giannis at like the top of the key and then let them play one-on-one against, you know, Jay Crowder, DeAndre Ayton, whoever, you know, whoever else is out there and just say like, we'll live because you're, you two are taking those shots anyway. You know, it's an interesting thought. I kind of like that kind of just doing what Milwaukee is doing to you and just kind of flip it and, and get, Mikel pressing the ball, you know, at half court or just a, a little bit beyond half court. I kind of like that a little bit. That yeah, might be a sneaky good adjustment. Strategy. Maybe it's maybe it's a sprinkle it in here and there strategy. Yeah. But just like a, you're not going to find Bryn Forbes open in the corner. Like, because my arms are like seven feet long and I'm just going to make it to where you can't see these passes. Now, for the Suns, you kind of got to figure out, okay, well, where then are we putting Chris Paul? Where are we putting Devin Booker? I don't really care. You know, <laughs> I mean, Chris Paul is still going to really matter. Yeah, Chris Paul is still going to stick on PJ Tucker, I'd imagine, right? And I guess the question is, like, do you do it when? Because if uh, Lopez and Giannis are on the floor at the same time, that would take up Crowder and Aiton in some combination. So then you have three guys for Holiday, Tucker, and Middleton. Yeah, so Paul or Booker is going to have to guard Middleton. Yeah. So I kind of like, though, Chris Paul could do it. Like, he he would be pesky and he would get, he would draw at least one offensive foul on Middleton. (laughs) You know, I would do it. I I think I could see that for like a two minute stretch. Like, like, okay, we just need to throw something different at Drew Holiday. Like, if they do start rolling, just disrupt it. Right. Yeah, just kind of like, okay, Drew just hit a three. We kind of need to, like, throw something different at him. And we're just going to throw our best defender on him and just see if we can get, like, a turnover maybe. And, yeah, I kind of I see that for maybe two minutes and then go back into, like, a zone or something like that um, or come out of the zone and do that. And just like, box in one. <laughs> <laughs> cause chaos. Oh, my God. Um I think Steph Curry just had PTSD from you saying that somewhere. Um, I don't, yeah, this, the, the mini adjustments in this series are so fascinating because it kind of feels like after this game four, we're going to see all the cards on the table, right? Like all of the, all the stuff, you can only hold on to stuff for so long. Right. Like, like you're like, I'm just waiting to use this. You're halfway through the series now. <laughs> Of the NBA Finals, like you got to yeah. play all your cards. You're not waiting until Game Seven to throw out Brim Forbes for 30 minutes or whatever it's going to be. That's not an adjustment that's going to happen. But I think like many adjustments like that in spurts could definitely kind of swing the series some. Um, I know we kind of talked about predictions on our last episode. Do you still feel good about your prediction long term for this series? So what I was your? Sons, I had Suns and six. You had Suns and six. I had sons in five. Yeah. So for mine, so if Milwaukee wins four, game four, 
that puts it at 2-2. Two, two. Mm. I could see Phoenix being like, we're going to go back home, we're going to win home, and then we're going to come back to Milwaukee, and we're going to win. So I could that was see kind of, That was kind of your blueprint for the series anyway, right? Like 2-2, two, two, game five's in Phoenix, they win game five, and then... Yeah. Even if the Suns went up 3-1, I could see like the Bucks getting another desperation win in Phoenix, but like you can only hold on to that momentum and energy level for so long. So either way, I like the Suns closing it out in Milwaukee, like I can see it happening um, mm. no matter how game four shakes out. So I still feel pretty good in that. Could I, feel- I see a five, like Suns just win the next two? Sure. But I, I still feel 60% sure, positive about the game, the Suns and six. I don't feel great about my Suns and five prediction anymore. Oh. And it's not like the, this game three has like swung my opinion of the series. I didn't feel great about my Suns and five <laughs> prediction to begin with. This has just made me even like less confident in that. Um, I would, I would almost say like, I feel like this series goes six. If it goes seven, I would be really surprised. Yeah. I think I'm like 60% sure it's going to go six. 30% sure it's going to go five and like 10% sure it's going to go seven. Yeah. That kind of feels yeah. about, about what I'm at. And honestly, I could see the bucks winning game four, it being two, two, then winning game five. And then all of a sudden they're three, two coming back home for game six. Like this series could swing pretty easily in the next like 48 hours. Yeah. The bucks. Well, it's like the bucks are unpredictable for, how predictable they are like are you guys really just gonna keep doing the same things over and over again and just pray it works out like (laughs) maybe it's like game one they did like all the defensive changes like in that one game right like Mm. they they did the drop coverage they did drop they did switch they're like we're gonna stay with we're gonna over help off the corner like to prevent the lob like they, they tried every defense in game one and it's like they just had like Oh, cheap, like a sheet, like, oh, nope, didn't work. Cross it off. Next one, cross it off. Next one, cross it off. That's what it felt like they were doing. Like, it's a list. And, like, we're Do you think through. an assistant wrote down all those options for Bud beforehand and just handed him a piece of paper and be like, all right, by the second quarter, if none of these work, you cr- just start crossing them off. Go to the next one on the list. That's what it felt like. <laughs> so now it's like, what else are we going to do? Like, besides just hope, like, Drew is good enough defensively to take out their perimeter option. And then Giannis dominates on the inside. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that's just it. Maybe they're like, we, we have no other cards. We just need Giannis to be the best player on earth. And that might be good enough. Yeah. I, I know we talked about Chris Middleton not showing up. I'm just curious what happens when the like Giannis 28-point game happens. I guess we kind of saw that in game one. But, I mean... Giannis can't keep going for 40 forever, right? Uh, right? <laughs> as long as he's not willing to settle. And by settle, I mean like threes. Well, I'm, I'm cool with him taking like a three every now and again, wide yeah. open. Like he's going to make like one out of three or so. I'm talking about like he's turning down opportunities to drive. Because mm. threes are usually like they're wide open. He's taking them like within the flow of like a swing, swing. I'm going to take this now. Is he's usually not like I'm pulling it back out and then I'm going to do like a fake in and out and then pull up. Like he either knows if he's taking it or if he's not. Right. So as long as it's like a 
I'm driving and that's the mindset 99% of the time. I'm cool with the occasional jumper. So as long as Giannis keeps that, again, the Suns don't have like a great forward stopper for him. So just go, I guess, and just either hope DeAndre Ayton doesn't get in foul trouble next time if you're the Suns or I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, the, if Ayton doesn't get in foul trouble, it definitely helps. I don't know if it makes that big of a difference, like a 13 point swing essentially in the, in the Giannis uh, like stat line. Um, I don't know if it would have made a big difference tonight. Yeah. I think it'll make a big difference to like the game four on Wednesday. Game four is going to be fun. Like that might be the biggest game of the series. And that's, usually. Yeah. That's going to feel like the Monty Williams might out coach Boonholzer. And like, that's like it's a very real tangible advantage for Phoenix. Yeah. It, it, the Booker. It also felt like some of the starters for the Bucks played way too long into that fourth quarter. Yeah, like yeah. why why do we have Chris Middle and Drew Holiday still out here? Like he pulled Giannis kind of early, but it was like three minutes left and you're up by 20. It's like, all right, let's get these guys out of here. I call a timeout. Right. And it yeah. Was like, here. Yeah. Um I I don't know. I I think the Suns are still gonna win this series. If I had to guess, if I were betting man, Matt. I would put money on the Suns still winning the series. I think it's a smart bet. I I'm really excited to see the finish conclusion of the series. I think it's an interesting combo. It kind of feels like neither team will get back here again anytime soon. At least maybe that's Milwaukee. Like this is their window. Like this is it. Yeah, it definitely feels like that for Milwaukee. Like I don't see. Bobby Portis having big finals minutes again anytime soon in a Milwaukee jersey uh, after the series is over. He could have another big game in the series. I'm saying after the series is over. But, um, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting uh, next week because when is it? Finals ends in 11 days? Wednesday and then Saturday. That'll be games four and five, I think. So – could be over then we might make it into one more full week after that yeah so wednesday is saturday and then we have the tuesday game six if necessary and the game seven would be on that thursday the 22nd um yeah just a wild series i know this we didn't really mention this but how how uh deflated are you after the nigerian team beat team usa in basketball cares <laughs> exhibition game no one cares i really didn't watch any of it i watched more of the u19 game mm, than mm. that exhibition game because so the u19s was fun they just wrapped up usa beat france in a good one um so yeah that was fun but i don't really care about the exhibition schedule of the usa mm. That's not the hot take you're supposed to have on here, Matt. You need to watch well, more first take. You need to watch more undisputed. I think once they get into it, they're like, hey, Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, well, me- like the, the, the front line of like Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, Dame Lillard, and Jason Tatum. Like, that's pretty good. It's uh, not too bad. <laughs> and that's like kind of the B team. <laughs> it's not even like yeah. the A team for the U.S., which is just yeah. insane. Yeah, no, they'll figure it out. Like, 
really fast. I mean, like FIBA is slightly different rules, you know. Isn't like, it closer three point shot too? Yeah, or like the big man can just like stand in front of the rim and I like, just never move. Like, oh, there's no three second call. No. <laughs> what? So like Precious Achua can just stand there the whole game. Ah, no wonder Precious Achua looks so good. Yeah, no, because he doesn't have to move anywhere, you know. So it's like. If you're not going to put five, are they going to go small ball and just say, like, we'll kill you from the outside then? That's the thing. <laughs> like, every team's just going to look. Like, that's why Rudy Gobert looks so great in these things. It's because he just stands in front of the room the entire time, you know? So, Mark, Mark Gasol, Pau Gasol, like, they always look great in these because they just stand there. So, Kevin Love is just going to – someone's going to think he's going to be worth trading for this offseason is what I just heard. Yeah, and because he's not going to defend anyone on the perimeter. It's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, that's it for episode uh, 115. Matt, do you have any parting words? No, I'm out. I'm, I'm trying to get prepped for the draft here in 18 days, Ryan. Whoo! Man, oh man. Draft, free agency, and then we get more regular season basketball in October. It's all happening, but first we got to get through the NBA finals. You know what? Matt- I'm waiting on, on Daryl Moore to do like a I'm going to upstage the finals thing with a Ben Simmons trade. That's what I'm waiting for. Could you imagine? Like, don't forget about us in Philadelphia. <laughs> We're going to upstage the NBA by trading for Damian Lillard or something like that while he's in Tokyo. <laughs> That'd be, that would be wild. Just I'm absolute, just absolute bonkers. Anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening to episode 115. Uh, we will be back after one of the finals games for episode 116. Uh, until then, we'll talk to you later. Yeah.